What Not the Podcast Lent Up Early Edition. Here's a few thoughts on these beautiful moments in Psalm 23 where not sure who David's talking to. He's talking to everybody. It's great. And also a question about the sufficiency of Scripture and the small catechism. It's a great question. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It's, oh yeah, it's uh, April the 6th, year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, here, here you go. Here's a little devotion on Psalm 23. I'm working slowly through the Psalms. If you're listening every day, you can probably get my pace, um, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. Anyway, one of the questions that we want to ask of the Psalms is who is talking to whom? And for that, we look at the pronouns. And in this beautiful Psalm, it's going to switch from a sermon to a prayer, from present tense to future tense. It's going to change images from the pasture to the battlefield. And all of these are going to be overlapping. And there's one text right in the middle that does something amazing. It's really quite beautiful, just linguistically, not not even to speak theologically, which is also beautiful. And it's because the um there's a certain ambiguity in the text that you are not sure to whom david is speaking let me give you show you what i mean the lord is my shepherd so i'm looking chiefly at the pronouns here so it's going to have this list of what he does then what i do and then it's going to switch from he to you so he makes me lie down in green pastures is going to become you are with me your rod and your staff So it's going to transition from speaking about what the Lord does to speaking directly to the Lord about what he does. So, okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So they're the The sheep paths are called the paths of righteousness, and the Lord's name comes into it. And then the verse that I'm interested in, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now we're going to have a change of image, it's going to change from, again, the pasture to the battlefield. You, my shepherd, the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then here's our second verse of interest, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's these two verses, verse 4 and verse 6, where, especially in verse 4, where it's transitioning from a sermon to a prayer, but you don't know it until the very end. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, and it could say, for he is with me, but it doesn't, for you are with me. And then at the end, 
It's a prayer. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's going to change into a sermon, but you don't know it till the very end. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in, it could have said, your house, but it doesn't. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's these moments when David is moving from preaching to to the people, to speaking to the Lord, and then from praying to the Lord to preaching to the people. And and those moments are so wonderful. It, there's something uh, there's something really profound happening. And and I'm and I, I wrote a note in my margin that there's gotta be a name for this. There's gotta be a, a phrase that biblical commentators have invented to indicate those passages where it's it's a prayer and it's a sermon and it's a confession where the entire universe is the audience men angels god that that this is like an assertion it's a shout it's a uh it's something it's something universal it's a it's a it's a truth being uttered um anyway if you know what it's called then you can send me an email and let me know Otherwise, if we don't have a name for this, we got to invent a name for it. These these moments in the Psalms where it's a prayer and and sermon and confession all all bound up together. Well, let's look at what it actually says. Um, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. This, remember, is the basic bondage of humanity and sin, the fear of death. But when the Lord is with us, we have this freedom from fear. <laughs> so like a shepherd who, or like a sheep who's there in the shadow of the shepherd's staff, there's nothing to fear. And that is amplified by this. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when those days are over, then we enter into forever. And there we dwell in the house of of the Lord. How beautiful is that? Here's a question about the sufficiency of Scripture and the small catechism. I like this question. Amanda says, uh, Hello, Pastor Wolfmuller. I'm currently reading chapter two of your book, Has American Christianity Failed? About the sufficiency of Scripture. I agree with you that the scriptures are enough, but a thought came to me, why bother reading the small catechism? Why bother reading the large catechism? Shouldn't the scriptures be enough to not have to be understood through the lens of Martin Luther? In my experience, it seems that us Lutherans get caught up with what Martin Luther has to say about the scriptures, with the result being scripture and Luther. Maybe I'm misunderstanding or missing something, but I would like some clarity on the questions. Well, thank you. Uh, this is really great, Amanda. Thank you for the question. And I think you're right. I think sometimes we do uh, make it scripture and Luther. And while understandable, it's a mistake. So the, to answer your question, uh, we don't need the small and large catechism. Uh, they are a gift, but not a necessity. And they're not inspired. 
uh, although they reflect the doctrine of the scripture. And and here's the uh, maybe the point is that the scriptures are intended to be preached and taught and confessed. So confessed first, uh, and we'll work backwards through those three things. So uh, Jesus says, take Matthew chapter 10, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before the Father, and whoever denies me before men, I'll deny before my Father who's in heaven. And so the church is a confessing church. The church not only takes the Lord's word and his name into our ears, but it also now is on our lips so that the Lord's people are speaking of um, the truths of the scripture to each other and to the world. And especially when an error comes along, the church stands and confesses against that particular error. When an error comes along about the person of Jesus, the church will stand up and confess against it. And so we have uh, creeds, uh, statements of doctrine and belief, which are which are contrary. They're set against things. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, for example, or the Nicene Creed. Let's take the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is a confession against the Arian doctrine that denied that Jesus was of the same substance of the Father. It denied that he was very God of very God. And so the church comes along and confesses that Jesus is, in fact, very God of very God. Now, do we have to use those words of the Nicene Creed? No, those are accidental, but they're important. It grows out of the scriptural doctrine of who Jesus is, and it's confessed against the error that denies the divinity of Jesus. And so confessions grow up in the church, the creeds and the confessional writings, uh, to clarify the biblical teaching uh, against the errors that come up. Uh, they also, uh, we know that the scriptures will be preached. Uh, this is, mm, from the very beginning, it was not intended that the preacher would simply stand up and read the Lord's word, but that he would also unfold the Lord's word for the people. We see this first, for example, in Jesus and the apostles who take the text of the Old Testament prophets and bring it to bear on the people that are there. We see this in the book of Acts where Peter and Paul take the words of Jesus and they preach it to the people who are there. And so the Lord's word is not only intended to be read, but also to be preached. Now that preaching ought to be an unfolding of the words that are there in the text. The preacher is not authorized to add anything to it. But when a pastor stands up to preach the Lord's word, he's not denying the sufficiency of the Lord's word, but in fact extolling the sufficiency of that word, saying here the Lord's word is enough for us today, and here it is. Here's how it's enough. It shows it. It demonstrates it. And it ple- it it's pleased the Lord through the foolishness of the word preached to save those who would believe. That's how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. Jesus sends out his church to preach the gospel, repentance and, and forgiveness to all creatures. Say Luke 24, for example. So, uh, so that the word of God is not only to be read, but to be preached. And that preaching of the word does not undercut the sufficiency. In fact, the preaching is built on the sufficiency. 
And the third thing is that the Lord's Word is to be taught. And that's really what the catechisms are doing. From the very earliest time, the, you know, the Bible is a full book. There's a lot of things going on there. And so whenever you're bringing someone into the faith, you have to say, okay, where are we going to start? And, and you gotta have a, a mm, you, you got to have a somewhat contained introduction to the faith where you're saying, okay, if you want to be a Christian, you have to, you have to know these certain things. Now, it's, it's somewhat of a tricky question, I mean, just to kind of th- sit there and think about it, because here's someone who, who doesn't know who Jesus is, but Jesus wants them to be part of his family, part of his church, to come to the altar, receive his body and blood. Jesus has given us the Bible. So the question is, how much of that Bible do they need to study? Should you have read through the Bible cover to cover before you come to communion or before you're baptized? What of the Bible do you need to know? So so you have to make a decision there. And and really, Luther stands in the tradition of the church that has said that there's there's really three fundamental texts that ought to be studied and confessed before someone comes into the church. And those are the Ten Commandments and then the Creed, working as a summary of theology and the actions of God, and the Lord's Prayer. So the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer become the foundation of biblical teaching and instruction to bring people in. And so Luther, like the teachers before him and the teachers that came after him, took those texts and taught them. Uh, You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Luther talks about this too, by the way, in the large catechism. He says, uh, look, the, the pastor and the teachers in the house, the father and the mother and the teachers in the school are taking these texts up and, and teaching them in as full a way as they possibly can to their students. So all of us are taking up these texts and, and trying to understand them and unfold, unfold them. And Luther now becomes helpful to us. There's a really wonderful thing in, um, we are talking about the Lord's Prayer in our new member class a couple of weeks ago, talking about daily bread. And someone said, I disagree with what Luther says about daily bread here. Uh, I think that, um, that daily bread is a, a small provision for the day and so forth. And to be wrestling with what Luther, how he unfolded it in the large catechism, it's great. We can do it. Um, so that uh, the catechisms are teaching documents, which bring, a, I, by the way, agree with what Luther said, and so there's an ongoing debate that's happening in our class, which is wonderful. But the, but the catechisms should be understood as teaching and unfolding the doctrine of the Scripture. So the sufficiency of the Scripture does not take away the church's uh, obligation and responsibility and also gift to be able to confess the Scripture, to preach the Scripture, and to teach the Scripture. I hope that's helpful. The sufficiency of Scripture is one of the chief points that we want to always keep in mind, especially when it comes to talking to our friends who are Roman, Roman Catholics, as well as the evangelicals who always want the internal word to supplement the external word. We want to come down on this, that the Lord has given us everything we need for doctrine and life in the prophetic and apostolic scriptures. What a great gift uh, that is. And thanks so much for the question. 
Thanks for being a podcast listener, being part of the fun. I, I was digging through some of the more recent questions that you all have sent, and uh, uh, probably a lot of these questions, by the way, you're asking for resources and things like this. Uh, if you subscribe to the Wednesday Whatnot, uh, that's one way to to see the stuff that's coming out. And the uh, it's Wednesday today. What are the odds? I think the odds of doing Wednesday Whatnot today are about 3%. I'm three days behind on the Around the Word devotions, and there's a lot of other stuff happening today. I bet you, I bet you it doesn't happen. We'll see. Uh, but also, it, there's a lot of resources on the website, wolfmuller.co, which you can search. So if you just go there and type into the search bar, Holy Week Chronology, or uh, there are uh, there's systematic texts, if you search for that too, there's a lot of books that are there that are free. So, for example, if you are moving from the Middle East to Ireland and looking for systematic texts, there's a, just for example, there's a bunch of uh, books that are available there, Outlines of Doctrinal Theology and the Doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, and you can, um, you can just download those have the PDFs. And that's really actually nice. Even if you buy them, which you can do, it's also nice to download the PDF because then you can search it for the words that you're looking for. Uh, that's really kind of handy. So there's a lot of resources there on the website as well. So if you're looking for something like that, uh, you can go and search there. And that's a, probably a quicker way than sending me a note because I'm still answering questions from like three years ago. But keep those questions coming, by the way. And if you want your question to skip to the front of the line, you can leave a voicemail. That'll do it, I bet. Uh, there's a way to do that from the website. Wolfmuller.co. Hit the Whatnot Podcast button. And then there's a little button there that says, Leave a Message. That's cool. Uh, otherwise, I think that's going to be it for today. Thanks so much for uh, keeping the conversation going. Uh, thanks so much for, if you are a YouTube theologian and you've subscribed to the channel, that's great. I think we hit, did I mention this yesterday? I think we hit 2,000 subscribers on Monday which is kind of, uh, that's kind of a cool milestone. So um, 2,000, 20,000, 20,000. Uh, so thanks for being part of the fun over there on the YouTubes. And God's peace be with you. <laughs>